Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And in three, two, and one. This week, this, 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 this week, this week, this, 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 this week. This week in Geek. This week in Geek, we talk about worker strikes, video games, and the new anime season. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of This Week in Geek, where we are melting because the sun does not like us. Even when it's nighttime, it's disgustingly hot. How I understand the temperature? That. What is the temperature in the Bay Kevin as I look it up here? Because I mean, like during the daytime, it's getting to like 105 here Fahrenheit, which I don't like. It's not comfortable, pleasant or happy. Currently at night, right now, it is 80 degrees Fahrenheit, which is not as hot as it could be. It's been like 90s. It's it's going to get to 90 at night at some point. Because yeah, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to hit higher temps later in the week, but right now it's like 72. It's pretty nice. Ugh, I wish it was 70s. Like For me, like the 70s, like anywhere in the, in the 70 degree range is like perfect weather for me. Yeah, it's like habitable which is nice habitable oh i wish we like there's people who live in places like arizona where they're always like oh you think this is hot in arizona it gets to like 120 and it's like that's a sign you shouldn't be living there yeah if nature is trying to cook you alive maybe you shouldn't test nature and maybe find somewhere else to live i don't know just a thought but how have you been, Kevin? How's camp going and and everything else? Oh, camp is going okay. We're in the second to last week now, so Ooh. yay, home stretch. Um, yeah. Uh, overall, I thought it was okay. Um, this this week for the most part, I've just been trying to read books, enjoy the the time that I do have off, um, and catch up on sleep. That is the main mm. thing that I'm doing. Um. I have been watching a couple shows here and there just because of the anime season and stuff that's, you know, coming up and stuff that I want to watch. So we'll definitely be going over all of that. But for the most part, we've just been I've been trying to chill. I've been trying to relax and de-stress after work. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much the whole itinerary so far. Uh, what about you, Matt? How's everything on your end? It's been pretty good. Um, it's still like just a lot of getting work done this week is supposed to be comic con but i'm not really expecting anything out of it because as we will talk about later you've got the writer's strike going on and the uh the actor's strike going on and as we've mentioned i think we've talked about it here before but yeah we definitely talked about it here but a lot of companies are pulling out of comic con whether it be because they were anticipating a strike or just they don't feel like it's worth it to invest in comic con really anymore so um there might be things that are coming and we'll talk about them next week, but I'm honestly not expecting a whole lot. Like even uh, for work, I'm not anticipating having to do too much 
extra work this week. Like last year when it was Comic Con, I was up all like because Lord of the Rings was still such a huge release last year, and I think Comic Con was right after the series ended or right or I can't even remember anymore. But it was still like a big thing, and Comic Con was still huge last year. Like I was working like till 10 p.m. at night most nights. So I am re- I think with this year, um, there's not going to be much because you can't have panels and you can't have your actors promoting your shows because of the strike. So um, it's very strange to not be super excited about Comic-Con. Yeah, it's like an annual event where like everything kind of gets announced. So it's one unfortunate timing in terms of the strikes, but it's necessary. Uh, which mm-hmm. we'll definitely be going into. But yeah, I don't know if rescheduling was an option. We'll definitely have to see how all that affects the rest of uh the the rest of the comic book industry, you know? Not even just the comic book industry, but the entertainment industry in general. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the news of the week. Um as I just mentioned, the writer strike, which has been going on for weeks now, is now been joined by SAG-AFTRA, which is the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, I believe is what AFTRA stands for. But um, those used to be two separate unions. But in the 2010s, I believe they merged together into one mega union. Um, but the SAG-AFTRA folks are now on strike. A lot of it is con- uh, because of the um the studio's not willing to pay the actors what the actors believe that they're worth um if you look at someone like the residual payments that actors are getting from streaming services or um just networks n- not really paying them a lot like for example a show that you were on you'll you'll get maybe 6 cents in residuals which is not enough to live on um so that's th- that payment is one of the reasons why the actors are striking. Another reason is because of AI. Um, as we've mentioned before, some studios, I think not some, all the studios are looking into AI as a cost-saving measure, as a creative measure for them. Um, it's a lar- large reason why the writers are on strike is because studios want to be able to use AI in order to create scripts and not really have to pay the writers. Um, actors are going on strike because studios want to use AI to capture actors voices likenesses performances their image and to be able to pay them once for that and then just have it in their libraries forever and then use that digital asset of the actor without their consent without their knowledge and without paying them forever so pretty much actors will never work again if ai it becomes a heavily used tool in the industry um at one point while the actors union was negotiating with the producers union, um, the producers claimed, and if you if you watched the uh, the press conference on this, I think it was last Thursday that it came out. Um, this was a big talking point that the producers claimed that they had a groundbreaking solution or proposal about AI, and what that proposal was is that for um, day players or background actors or or actors who aren't really the main focus and aren't the main talent and aren't playing the leads of a show or a movie. Um, the studios and producers were pitching that they would be able to 
as I just mentioned, film that performance, pay them for that one day and forever afterwards be able to use that background actor's performance to just fill in any scene that they wanted to and never have to pay that actor again, which is kind of horrendous. Uh, and, and some more news that came out this week uh, with the writer strike specifically. And this was this came out, I think, the day before the actors decided to go on strike. Um, Deadline released an article where they talked to an anonymous insider from the studios who said that their goal with this strike was to never come to the table for the writers. What they were planning to do, because they know how poor writers are and they know how little they pay the writers and they know how little writers get paid residually every single time their show like plays on air or is streamed on a service like Netflix or what have you. Um, the insider said that the goal of the studios was to just keep the strike going in perpetuity until all the writers ran out of money, were starving, lost their homes, um, and then would have no recourse except to agree to whatever terms the studios put forth. And they claimed that this was a necessary evil. It's it's mind-boggling to me just how cartoonishly evil the studios are being right now. Like, to, to claim that having countless families starve and lose their homes is a necessary evil because you don't want to pay them more for the content that you're continuing to stream that's making you millions, if not billions of dollars. What the fuck is that? Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense to me. It's just, you should pay people for what they're worth and what, they, what they've what they done and what they contribute. And, like, instead of you trying to play it out and pray that it dissolves itself, you're playing with people's lives, essentially, by play, playing with their livelihood and their careers. So, I'm obviously not a fan. I hope that they come to an agreement and get something done. Like I, I don't understand how now that all this stuff is coming out and like this is the first time and I believe in 63 years that the actors guilds, I mean the, the actors unions have, have gone on strike and I think it's probably, I don't know if the writers and the actors have ever been on strike at the same time in recent history. I think that also might be the first time in like 60 something years that this has happened. But I, I read a, a Twitter thread by actor Justine Bateman, who is the sister of Jason Bateman, who has been in a lot of comedy movies. Like um, he was the voice of Nick Wilde in Zootopia. He was in um, Identity Thief. He was in Game Night. He's He's been in a lot of things. But in her thread, she's like she's addressing the threat of AI and saying that if nothing comes of it now, if the actors and the writers and all the creatives don't come together now to put a stop to AI with this strike, by the next time that they ever strike, there's going to be no reason for the studios to come to the table because by that point, AI will have been so established and have so many performances or will have machine learned so much that you're never going to need a director again. You're never going to need actors again. You're never going to need uh, writers again producers whatever because a machine can do all that for you a machine can put together 
a very probably not artistic or nuanced story, but they can put together a serviceable story. They can put together some serviceable CGI performances of, of actors. And at that point, how can you force the studios to come to the table when they literally don't need you? Another point that I've been seeing is, and it's especially on like mainly conservative posts from like middle America that sees Hollywood elite as weird or a lot of like mainstream media that is owned by the studios. Like for example, um, I think ABC news has been posting a lot about like against the striking, but a lot of people are like assuming that the people who are striking are these wealthy millionaires who have nothing better to do with their time than to just demand more money. But no, the people who are really hurting from this are the background actors or the extras or just other people who aren't the A-listers. Like these people are actors too. These people are part of the unions too. It's not just Robert Downey Jr. who is striking here, who's considered an actor by these unions. It's people like who show up, put on a costume and fill in the background. Like this strike is absolutely necessary because there are still people who are struggling to make it in Hollywood, even though they're in movies, they're in TV, they're not getting paid a ton. I think also last thing on, on this topic in particular was, I think the most visible, the most visible like indication that things are changing in Hollywood. And this is a big deal aside from like the people picketing every day in front of the studios is that, um, during one of the premieres of Oppenheimer, I don't know if it was the official premiere, but during one of the premieres, at least of Oppenheimer, um, the news of the strike came through. So in the middle of this premiere, all the actors just left. They were like, they were required by their union that they cannot promote anything. So they just left. So which is good for them. Like don't go against the union. The unions are important. Don't scab. Don't, don't break that picket line get what you're worth, get what you deserve and stop the stupid AI nonsense from taking over our art. Also, you get to go home and play some <laughs> games. Just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, after, after a hard day of picketing, you just get to go home. I can't believe, I can't imagine how difficult it must be to picket in this heat right now. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I'm just going to start running some Gatorade out there. I know a lot of businesses are actually in favor of this, the strike. So a lot of businesses are, are giving them free food or they're giving discounts, which is, which is great. Um, another union news. This is more video game stuff now, but Sega workers finally agreed to, or not agreed, but they finally voted to unionize. So Sega of America had about 212 eligible employees that were going to vote for whether or not they should unionize, 139 um, participated in the actual vote, and the overwhelming majority said yes, that we do want to to unionize. Um, 91 said yes, 26 said no, 19 ballots were challenged, and three were void. So overwhelmingly, like almost 100 people to about 26 said yes, that they want to unionize. So the departments of Sega of America that are unionizing are the brand marketing, games of service, localization, marketing, product development ops, 
sales, quality assurance, among other, um, probably some more minor branches of the company. But yeah, they they finally won the right to unionize. Um, Sega sent a letter internally that was published by IGN, and here is what it says. Hello, all. Today, we received tentative results of the National Labor Relations Board union election of the approximately 212 eligible voters, 139 employees participated in the election. The majority of employees who participated in the election voted yes and opted for unionization with the workers, the communication workers of America. The official outcome of the election is not yet certified by the NLRB. Any party may file objection to the election within seven days of the vote count. Throughout this process, we have maintained a high level of respect for our employees' rights. We have proof, provided factual information and answered your questions regarding what charges, what changes with the union. Our employees are a critical component to our success. While we believe that direct relationship promotes a supportive environment, responsiveness, and a shared commitment, we respect our employees' rights and maintain our legal commitment to the NLRB process. Um, so they're saying, we wish you didn't unionize, but you can unionize if you want to. Um, and for anyone who like really doesn't know what a union does, in spite of us, like this is a very union-heavy episode so far, but what a union does is pretty much they 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 band together and they help negotiate things in on behalf of their members and behalf of the workers of a company or an industry in order to get things like um better pay better um benefits um more protection more safety precautions so things like the 5 day work week or um minimum wage no not minimum wage cuz that's federally i think but um I mean, if you're looking at the uh, the actors strike right now, they're fighting for better wages. They're fighting for protection for their jobs with um, stopping the progress of and implementation of AI. Um, better benefits, I think. They're 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 fighting for um, the writers are fighting for uh, I think an, a minimum wage with the studios and for a minimum number of staff. So that's what unions do. They fight for improvements and protections for their workers there are companies it's not legal to stop a union but there are companies where they will highly discourage you from forming a union and will um provide misinformation allegedly according to one of my friends who worked for a company that rhymes with ham's blub which is owned by a company that rhymes with ball fart um yeah i know i'm, I'm so yeah sure. i know ball fart yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but according to him during their training, um, they were actively discouraging any union involvement, saying that unions are actually hurting you, they're actually taking away your rights. And when you're not educated in what unions do, if you don't know the history of a union, if you don't know what they do, then of course you're going to probably side with the the people who pay you and then saying like, if you do this, you're going to get less pay. You're going to get, we might have, we might fire you. Like you're not going to want to rock the boat. So um, it's kind of sad that companies are so greedy as to just put out blatant lies and not give people what they're worth. I mean, I understand you're a business. You're trying to hold on to as much money as possible, but like, the misinformation is is 
again, getting to cartoonish levels of evil. Speaking of cartoonish levels of evil, uh, Kevin, have you heard anything about the the weird stuff that Miranda sings slash Colleen Ballinger or Colleen? I think she pronounces her name. Colleen Ballinger have, have been doing. I heard about this a little bit, but I don't I don't know the exact details. OK, so um, there's a lot to go over here, and I, I'm going to go very surface level because it's just a shit show. Um, so Miranda Sings, Colleen Ballinger, was a YouTuber back in back in the day. She had a show with Netflix as well. I don't even know what she did, but the kids all loved her, thought she was the funniest thing ever. I thought she was just really annoying. All she really did was put on like garish red lipstick, change her voice and sing and dance very badly. Um, but apparently it's been leaked through fans showing screenshots or, or, or testifying that in her like secret fan group, which she dubbed weenies, she was just very inappropriate. She was, I don't know if it got to the point of grooming, but she would like just inappropriately converse with her fans. She would like specifically for one kid, she would just keep asking about his sex life, like what positions he liked. Is he still a virgin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as, as an adult woman talking to a, a teenage boy, that is highly inappropriate. You can't do that. That's disgusting. Um, and so when all this came out to everyone's bafflement she uh she released a 10 minute video that was a song where she kind of tried to apologize and explain herself but not really apologize at all she called her song the toxic gossip train which literally tells you all you need to know about what she was saying she's not really she like admits that it was creepy and cringy for her to interact with her fans like that but she really takes no responsibility for her actions she says that this is just people trying to tear her down with the toxic toxic gossip train um and then so a, a couple of days later maybe a week later or so uh, there was another report that she had put this song on youtube and copyrighted it because people were making videos criticizing her laughing at her what, at calling her out on it etc etc um she copyright allegedly she copyrighted the song which not allegedly I, there's photo evidence of apparently of of the copyright on it um so that she could both like technically own the content that was being made with her song in it she could potentially monetize it or have it taken down because it violates copyright law um, and apparently this had started happening to a couple people they brought it up and they called it out and people were saying oh that's the reason why she did this as this apology as a song was so that she could copyright it and take action against those who were criticizing her and also profit from it. Because again, copyrighted her song, she could monetize that and get money from the videos that use her song. Um, she got called out on it. Her legal team said that she did not copyright the song, that she, they don't know how it was copyrighted, etc. that she is not actively taking anybody down. Although that's her legal team saying, you never know if they're actually being honest. They could say no all they want to their blue in the face we can't prove otherwise um it also it if she actually did it and this is just her her legal team backtracking it's because oh no i got found out and called out on it people are gonna come after me again i'll never have a career again which you shouldn't anyway if you're harassing minors about their sex life but um yeah that's that's 
news and people behaving badly. Why are people going to do this? I don't know. It's it's why I hate influencers or a lot of just like internet personalities who who just got famous too quickly and never really learned how to behave or comport themselves. And that, that's not to say that the people who went through the traditional Hollywood route aren't bad behaviors. I mean, look at look at all the people who got called out for me too. But like I've noticed that a lot of this behavior is just so much more prevalent with the uh the influencer YouTuber generation of, of stars. And I just I, I find it hard to respect a lot of them. And that's not to say that it's all of them. I think I know that there's people who've built good platforms and who have built their name on creating good quality content that don't do this and just it, it ruins the game for them when people come out and, and do shit like this. Moving on to some video game and other geeky things that aren't terrible. This one's kind of sad, but not, not technically terrible. Um, but there's a new study that came out by the Video Game History Foundation that said around 87% of games are unplayable without resorting to piracy, scavenger hunts, or traveling to an archive, which is really sad. The study yeah, claims that just 13% of video game history is being represented in the current marketplace. In fact, no period of video game history defined in their study even cracked 20% representation. So what they did, according to um, PC Gamer, is that if you look at the methodology described in their study, they did a randomized sample of about 1,500 games released before 2010, which is roughly the year when digital game distribution started to take off. Um, they also looked at uh, targeted data on different consoles or ecosystems that um, sorted them as either abandoned, neglected, or active. Um, for example, like they looked at the Commodore 64, the Game Boy, and the PS2. And in total, looking at both of these methods of, of comparison, over 4,000 games were included in the study. Um, th there's some weird methodology there, like how they, whether or not they determined what something was accessible for example if you if you remade a game but if if it wasn't um to a point strictly true to how the original game was released then it wasn't it wasn't the original game wasn't considered to be in print or accessible that the remake was too different from what was originally created to be considered that same game um in, in regards to archives in games like there there are gaming archives for example the u.s copyright um office but like it's not accessible because you have to go in person to those archives if you want to play those games and that's not something that everybody can do if they want to play a certain game um there are some exceptions with the copyright office for uh remote viewing for like movies and television and things like that that you can like they can send you like a digital file or something but that doesn't apply to games because I think um, the uh, the Entertainment Software Association is fighting them. And I, I, I've I read this article a couple times, but I, I don't understand why the gaming industry is so against preservation. Because, like, I you're not selling these games anymore anyway. It's not like you're really losing any revenue by allowing the preservation and distribution of these really old games you're not it's not like you don't want to 
preserve them because you're still actively selling on all platforms. No, these platforms are obsolete. You're not making PS2 games anymore. So why are you so against people who want to go back and play a game? Again, I, I don't get it. And it's it's such a shame that 87% of games, and that's prob- number's probably just going to rise as time goes on, but 87% of games are, are, are not legally playable, and they wonder why people resort to piracy. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like a lot of our games are no longer playable, but being able to preserve it is going to be really big, and hopefully we can continue that forward. And uh, as a gaming community, we want to show like where we've been, and this is obviously like a huge like question mark for the video game companies. Like, why aren't why can't we play these old games if you're not going to give us a way to access it right now? What's a game, Kevin, that you think would just be an absolute travesty if it became one of that eighty-seven percent that, like, you you could just you could not play it legally? Ooh, um, I would say the world ends with you. That mm. that is a great game. That it's a Square Square Enix game. Not a lot of people know about it. Um, I loved the first one. I played that one like almost every day. Um, in middle and high school so yeah if that one goes away then it's just like i I don't i don't know what to do now now do you know if that's access accessible right now like to legally play by at all yeah you can play it on the switch uh but it's not the same as playing it obviously on its original console which is the uh nintendo ds Mm -hmm. so yeah it's just kind of it's kind of weird kind of in this weird spot right now I think for me, it's like I, I can't even think of because there's so many iconic games and there's like a lot of games that have sequels that like continue the legacy of the game. But for me, if I had to pick one, just from my, my earliest memory, I think it's Super Mario World 2. I think it's that's the one with the Yoshi, right? Super Mario World 2. I think 2. so. Yeah, I think like for me, that is my earliest memory of playing video games was playing that and just being absolute garbage at it so um yeah or super mario world i think that yeah it's super mario world i don't know if there's the two but i'm looking at it now but i think that would be my game that if if it was unplayable legally then the world would just be a much bleaker place for it so going on just more video game random stuff um there was a um there there's a guy whose username is um Rufio he's an I, IGN playlist user um and he used some kind of mathy formula i don't know what it is exactly but he took 80 historical best of all time gaming lists published over the last 30 years um compiled them did some some mathy mumbo jumbo um and graded them to find the 500 best video games of all time um the note here says that individual rankings were scored based on a curve with bonus points for higher tiers appearance frequency list eligibility and minimum data thresholds were factored in so um i don't know kevin you want to you want to guess what according to this mumbo jumbo math what the top five video games of all time are 
I, I have no idea what what kind of like literally this goes Obviously, back like, to like the first video games ever created. Ugh, okay, stuff. like just of all time, of just all time period. Yeah, of all time. In okay. the last, as long as it's in a, in a list within the last thirty years, then it can be counted. Okay. Um, let's see. We have to go with like the classics, I guess. So, uh, like, I guess I'll guess like what top five. I'm assuming. Yeah, just start with okay. the top five, and then okay, I'll, I'll go from there. I will start. I feel like the game that everybody plays, Tetris. I feel like Tetris has got to be up there. Um. Number two, jeez. Okay, what's God? I don't know if a Smash game would make it up here. Yeah, let's go. Okay, 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 okay. Let's let's do a a, a fighting game. Let's get let's get Street Fighter, Street Fighter Two. That's probably one of the ones that makes it up here. That's a classic. That's a like that's a staple, like almost a staple in like game gaming in yeah, general. That's when I first became aware of what Street Fighter is. Yeah. Um, let's go with the classic FPS. Um, I I don't know if I have to go with Quake or Doom. Um, I feel okay. like Doom is more accessible than Quake, so I'm gonna go with Doom. Uh, just for that sake. Um. Okay, uh, we got a fighting game. We got our FPS. We got that random puzzle game that everybody plays. Um, let's see. Let's go like a role play game. Um, okay. I feel like everybody and their mom talks about Ocarina of Time, so I'm gonna put. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. Okay. That, oh, it's got to be a Legend of Zelda game. Could be Breath okay. of the Wild too, because like I feel like Breath of the Wild is also really big. Obviously, like. People are still playing it to this day. Yeah. And it's just one of those games that just survives. Uh, so, um, and more people are probably playing it now because of the waiting on the next one or they're playing on the next one and they're just like, no, I'm going to go back and play this one first. So I'm going to put, I'm going to put Breath of the Wild in the top five. And then I think we got, we got one more. Let's uh why not gta 5 gta 5 for the memes let's let's just see if it's there okay so top five are breath of the wild okay got that two is tetris okay we're we're on a roll three last of us number one oh oh okay number four ocarina of time okay so they got me with the double zelda okay (laughs) yep number five is half-life two Oh, okay, yeah. Half Life Two makes sense. Doom was um, number eighteen. Eighteen in context. Okay. Rounding out top ten, Super Mario sixty four is number six. All right. A link to the past potential. is seven. Okay, somebody likes Legend of Zelda. <laughs> the the math likes Zelda, I guess. The math likes Zelda. The Witcher three is eight. Resident Evil four is nine, and ten is Grand Theft Auto five. Okay. Bioshock, which is like one of my favorite series. Bioshock 1 was 11. Um, Shadow of the Colossus, which is by all accounts a fantastic game, number 16. Okay. Red Dead Redemption, number the first one, um, which was technically a sequel to Red Dead Revolver, but that was 21. World of Warcraft was 22. Skyrim was 23. And huh. Hades was 24. 
Okay. I could respect Hades climbing up here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's Pokemon. I think the first Pokemon game we get, guess what number that is, Kevin? Okay, wait, wait. You gave me the top, well, at least, okay, 20 I skipped a couple, but we were in the okay. 20s. I say, like, it, it's got to be in, like, the 30s-ish, right? Uh, okay, well, to, like, beat out, well, I mean, sure, uh, We'll go like 35 or something like that. Okay. 42, Pokemon Red. Mm, it's red? Pokemon Red is the first one on this list. Okay. It's not on this specific so... list. Interesting. Thought it was thought more people. Well, I know the US likes a red version, but like I was expecting like yellow to be there just because of the sheer mm, the number of it. Yeah. What do you mean well, it's though? like you get you get both of them. You get both. Yeah. Like you get all the starters by just playing yellow, but yeah. Wait, Kevin, what really quickly, what was the name of the game that you said you couldn't The the world ends with you. I don't even think that's like that probably wouldn't even make the list. Yeah, I did make the list. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just continuing on a little bit. Um, Becca, I know you're not listening to this. Please talk to me again. I miss you. Um, Silent Hill two <laughs> is forty seven. And I'm not sh- I'm not ashamed of that at all. Not ashamed of that little little outburst of emotional fragility. Um, my One of my favorite games of all time, Batman Arkham City is number 53. Super okay. Smash Bros. Ultimate is 55. Surprised that that's a far down there, but all right. The first of those to come out there. Um, Counter-Strike is 63. Just Counter-Strike, period. Just Counter-Strike. Can, not, not, okay. not CSGO, just regular Counter-Strike. Not CSGO, just regular, Okay. Undertale hit 70. Huh. Okay. I'm con- okay. Now if okay, if Undertale is 70, I want to know what's below 70 what's according below to 70, numbers. Um Fork Knife. Fork is, Knife. Guess if it's guess what number that one is. If we're at 70. Be like, okay, if we're at 70 now, it's probably like 72. Close. It was 74. Guess okay. where Overwatch is? Yeah, uh, eighty-two, <laughs> seventy-six. Uh, okay, Soldier would be proud of that number. Yeah, that seems a little rigged. Yeah, but I mean, this list goes on and on. Again, there are five hundred on this list, but I mean, th- that those are some of the highlights. I would say, hmm. and the within the first hundred that I I picked up. Guess what number melee is though? Which is, I think. I honestly think it should have been higher than Ultimate just because of the iconic nature of the game. Plus, like, the esports aspect of of that. You would think that it would be higher. So, okay. So this isn't an objective list. Well, this is is a a numbers motivated list. Yeah, this is just math numbers only. No feelings involved here. Yeah. Uh, What about, like, 90-ish? 90. 90, just straight 90? Straight ninety for 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 Smash Melee, very close ninety three. Okay, still surprised it's that far down. Mm-hmm. The just the number one hundred game is Majora's Mask. Oh, uh-huh. so that rounds out top one hundred. That's a lot of Zelda. Yeah, I mean this is a very like cool list to look at, and just looking at how the numbers crunch together to just based on all the reviews that were compiled and, and where people valued their games. Um, 
pretty interesting to look at. If you if you want to check it out, it's on IGN.com. It's called The Mathematically Derived 500 Best Video Games of All Time, which I think I'm going to go back. I'm definitely going to go back to this and just scroll through it and have fun. Um, but we mentioned CSGO earlier. And I, again, I don't I don't understand how cosmetics in games can be worth so much. But there's a guy who just started playing CSGO. He's 18 years old. Um, and he pulled in an unboxing that he recently did for the, the knife skins. One of the rarest skins in the game. I believe there are only 12 in the entire world. Um, he's only been playing for three days, had 31 hours of playtime. Guess how much this knife skin is worth, Kevin? Estimated. The skin. Okay, okay, okay. You said there's only 12 in the world? In the world. Okay, so it's it's probably it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like, a, even a regular knife is, like, $100, 150 So if you're looking at something super rare, I mean, let's talk about, like, the hook. The the pudge hook was, like, 250000 ish And that was, like, back in the day. Um. I would say, especially if there's only twelve, maybe like, oh, I would say six digits. I think some crazy person out there mm-hmm. would pay like, okay, some crazy person out there would pay like sixty five thousand, uh, six hundred fifty thousand dollars for this. Ooh, okay, that that was a little bit higher than than what it's actually worth. Okay, it's worth around two hundred thousand dollars. Still a lot money. of money. I don't understand. I, I get I get that like rarity and supply and demand, but it's not even real. It's just it's an it's a skin for your knife in a computer game. Yeah. I get it. But according to um uh according to uh what is this was it? Games Radar, um and an interview by the CSGO streamer and skins expert Oni Pixel Raw. Um, they talked to the guy who pulled the skin and he said, I don't really come for money. $200,000, it'll help out my parents. So at least he's, at the very least, he's he's using the money if he if he's able to sell it for like something good and not just like, I want to buy five ponies or something like that. Mm. So... I don't, Kevin. Can we? What can you like at least try to explain to me why these things are, are valued so highly? I get it's... the rarity. I get that the, the player base is is rabid sometimes, but like two hundred thousand dollars for a knife skin—that's not even a real knife. Yeah, it, it's like I hate to say this, but like the Steam market is like kind of the first NFTs where you can you have an in-game item and it shows off how much you've committed to the game. Um, unless and, you're pulling it on like your third day oh, of the game, yeah. Unless you get lucky, like you you had to get very lucky on this one. But yeah, um, it just shows how much people like are willing to throw money at at, at something like this. And like we have the same thing happen in all of the uh, all of the Valve games where you just have like items that are ridiculously high priced just because not only for the rarity but also for like the in-game cosmetics and how it looks um and yeah i, d- I don't understand why it's so ex- i understand why it's expensive it's just because people people will pay for it if they really want the skin 
But at the same time, I don't understand why like everything has to be so expensive. Like mm. it, making it more accessible is a lot more fun for everybody. I understand that it decreases the rarity, but uh yeah, it's just it's kind of ridiculous that people would pay, you know, a crazy amount of money just to get a knife. Yeah. Anyway, so last story for me, Kevin, we're going into anime kind of stuff now, but um, apparently the newest Hayao Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film, How Do You Live, was released in Japan on the 14th of July. So a couple like, that was Friday. Um, Studio Ghibli is still not putting out any official synopsis, trailer stills or anything about it. So the, the best that we have to to kind of figure out what this movie is about is based on like reviews and unofficial stuff. Um it's gonna. I think in America, when it gets released here, it's going to be called "The Boy and the Heron." Um, the The movie is supposedly loosely based off of a novel called "How Do You Live," that was released in Japan um, a couple decades ago. But here's a couple of plot and a uh, plot synopses that um were compiled by Dexerto. Um, the streets of Tokyo swarm below fifteen year old copper as he gazes out into the city of his own childhood. Struck by the thought of the infinite people whose lives play out alongside his own, he begins to wonder, how do you live? Um, Considering life's biggest question for the first time, Copper turns to his dear uncle for heartwarming wisdom. As the old man guides the boy on a journey of philosophical discovery, a timeless tale unfolds, offering a poignant reflection on what it means to be human. So um, that's the synopsis of the book. Here is what the movie take of this is. Our hero, Mahito, is a good kid, obedient and polite, but while he's respectful to his aunt and his numerous elderly people she takes care of, he's often self-destructing on the inside. What he wants is the old life he had in Tokyo with his father and mother, not the one in a new place where he knows no one and his father is already making a new family with his aunt. At first, he lashes out at himself, getting into a fight after school and then causing himself a gushing head wound so he doesn't have to go back. Then he moves on to lash out at something that can't fight back, the blue heron living in a neighboring pond. The message is clear. There are obvious outward signs of a troubled kid, both then and now. Pain and grief are universal things, and only by recognizing the signs can we help those in need. Um, another one, an- the other review that I'm seeing here is, Mahito, suffering through his own trauma, finds himself haunted by a blue stork inhabiting a nearby pond. A tower of mysterious origin within the local forest also beckons him. When a reason to venture into the dark, uninviting building arises, he bravely enters the tower. A world beyond his imagination resides therein. So it looks like this movie is actually going to have some fantastical aspects to it, despite initial reports that it was going to be very grounded and like very set in reality, kind of like um, The Wind Rises. Mm-hmm. But it looks like there might be some mystical aspects to this after all. Yeah, I I feel like that's the magic that Miyazaki does for the most part. So, uh, we'll see how it how it ends up playing out. And again, in in America, when this does come in sometime this later this year, um, it's called The Boy and the Heron. In Japan, it's How Do You Live. Um, I don't think we have officially have a release date in America. Just. G Kids announced that it's going to be sometime in 2023. So we have about five more months left in which we can put that hope to get this movie. If not, if it's not pushed to 2024. But that's it for my news. Kevin, let us hear about Valorant and Pokemon and anime and manga. 
and all yeah, we, good, we got good weeby stuff. We we have a lot of stuff. Uh, and by a lot, I mean like just a good amount. So let's start with the Valorant thing. Um, there was a there was a promotion uh in China that had like a trailer attached to it in in Valorant. Um, it it shows some of the agents going head to head um and and fighting against each other uh sage is heartless for not reviving sova and just letting him die that is crazy um but anyways the main thing that we're here to take away from it is that we got a new fan in the game um new melee weapon it is a fan it it has embers and stuff like that um attached to it is it pretty yes is it worth 50 bucks no not for me at least um i know other people who might want it um so if you do want to grab it, go for it. Um, At you least can't it's drop not it for your friends. Thousand dollars. Yeah, like everybody can buy it, so I feel like that's that's fair. But once again, like if you if you want the knife, get it. Uh, it's fifty bucks. Um, cool. Let's move on to other new release stuff. Um, let's go over to the game that I rarely play, but I still keep in touch with because I have a weird love hate relationship with it. Um, let's talk about Pokemon Unite. Um, we we have more Pokemon coming to unite. Yay! Uh, I don't I don't know how they keep adding more. Um, <laughs> when will this it Friday? Stop? It it just keeps coming, man. I don't I don't know. Uh, so I gotta go and figure out what uh what this new Pokemon do. But uh, yeah, this Friday, uh, the twenty first, we will be getting Mewtwo into the game. Um. I know a lot of Gen 1 peeps are going to want to come back to play Mew 2. I mean, we got Mew to start. Um, but yeah, Mew 2 is going to be in the game. Um, it will be able to Mega Evolve into uh, Mew 2 X or Mew 2 Y, uh, depending on the move selected throughout the game. Um, it will also be free through an event. That is what a lot of people are saying. So it's going to be one of those things where you have to play a bunch of games and then you slowly unlock Mew 2 as a reward. Um but yeah, I'm the thing that I'm mostly afraid of is we're gonna have the same thing that happened with Zacian, where uh, they release Sword Doggo. It is too strong. We can't do anything about it. It destroys everybody. Everybody leaves. Uh, waits for Sword Doggo to get balanced. Doesn't get balanced for another month, and then we just sit here and wonder if we could even play the game anymore. So, um, we all collectively agreed in the Pokemon Unite community. We all shook hands and we're like, "Don't play Sword." Uh, <laughs> we we all just agreed to not play it. Um, so yeah, that, that's what's going on. Um, at least in the Pokemon Unite world, um, Pokemon Sleep is on the way. We don't know when it's going to get released. Um, but we have seen, uh, people rolling it out, uh, in terms of Pokemon Sleep and like trying is it, in, it out. Is it in beta? Is that what it's it kind of in? It's kind of like in beta, but it's like in certain areas only. Uh-huh. Um, so some people are showing screenshots of, of the Pokemon that they're catching and like the sleep styles, um, I'm just waiting for it to come over to the state so I could try it. I don't know what it really adds to my gameplay, but uh, yeah, I mean, if I get to just sleep and get Pokemon in my sleep, I guess that's cool. So that's what we're going to be working on. Um, Yeah, that's what we got in terms of Pokemon news. Um, So let's move on from this stuff to the Weeb stuff. So um, as stated, last week was the beginning of the summer season. Um, I know a lot of people have been trying to keep up and keep tabs on a bunch of shows um me included um i am personally going to be holding off on jjk uh season two and mushoku tensei season two um just because i i think that it's better if i have the time to just binge it all um 
those are just a couple of the shows that you just want to wait to enjoy it all in one go. Uh, the one that I will be watching week to week is Zombie 100, and that is going to be my anime recommendation for this week. Um, Zombie 100 follows around Akira, who is a regular guy who gets his entire soul crushed as he realizes that he's working for a uh he's working for like an, an ex- exploit like uh, a company that exploits his labor and he just doesn't have time for anything not even himself so he like hates life and everything um but one day um everything changes when the zombie apocalypse actually happens um usually people in that scenario would freak out and be like oh my god the world is ending what am i doing um instead akira embraces all of the colors that come with it and realizes that there is more to life than just having to go to work um and instead of him freaking out about getting chased by zombies he's finally free from the chains of his his corporate wage slave job and he's having a lot of fun now um, the premise Zombie 100 pretty much just follows Akira in his journey to finish his bucket list before he inevitably turns himself into a zombie. So, um, he yeah, he's he's just working on his bucket list uh, right now. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, that's the one that I'm going to be watching week to week. There's a bunch of other ones that if you guys want us to take a peek at, we might. Um, I know there's also that uh, Reborn as a Vending Machine anime uh, that's out. Um. The yeah, wildest concepts for TV shows that like America would never do, but Jap- Japan just does it, and it doesn't. Japan so well. will send anything and just like be like, "All right, that's a thing now." Um, the things they're so, always good, like the most. Yeah, they're like solid. Are so good. So yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna figure out how all that works. Um, and yeah, uh, Zombie One Hundred. If you don't want to wait for it, you could read it. Um, but I do have to say that the color theory in Zombie 100 is immaculate. Um, if you guys are definitely taking a shot at it, watch it. Very good. Um, moving on um, into my last bit. Let's get into that manga release. Uh, the stuff that everybody is looking forward to. Uh, we have two books that are really sad. And then one that's kind of melancholy. We have <laughs> Boys Abyss number two. Really sad. The summer that Hikaru died. That's going to be interesting to see how that one is. Uh, once again, that's the alien that takes over uh, the main character's best friend's body. Um, and then we have Kowloon 4, which is um, a very interesting romance uh, mystery kind of thing. It's still plastographed for me. I still have to read it. Um, I just got it in the mail today. Cool. Um, next week's, uh, there's a lot of hardcovers and a lot of like really cool uh, like big books that if you guys are interested in picking them up go for it um we have soul eater perfect edition number 11 that's the one with uh not not frankenstein who's the other guy the the blue the blue one um he's on the cover um a perfect edition 11 that's hard cover by the way for soul eater uh, make sure to get that um soichi which is a junji ito story is also coming out in hardcover so make sure to go ahead and grab that if you're interested in junji ito um it's too spooky for me i poo myself i'm not going to do that um junji ito the... is just, it's 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 so compelling but it's just hard to look at it's creepy it, like it's well, obviously it's that whole like idea of like things that are familiar but just twisted um and junji ito is like the master of that and then he has like junji ito's got only two sides one is like absolute like nightmare fuel inducing like images and then the other one is just him drawing cats so that's pretty much what he's only got two modes um also you pass him on the street you'd never know 
Exactly. You think it's this guy. Yeah, he's just chill. Um, last That's but not so least, normcore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last one for me is Beauty and the Feast number nine. Um, I like Beauty and the Feast. It's pretty much about a uh, a widowed housewife who takes care of the boy next door by feeding him because he eats a lot. So yeah that that's it um that that's all i got like kind of honing in to this next upcoming week um it's gonna kind of dip down closer to uh this upcoming week on the 25th and the first are gonna be slow but the eighth when unfortunately your boy will not be here um it is gonna pick up again so um we have a lot to go over uh we will have to take a little bit of a break um as some of you guys may know i'm taking a two-week trip for not only pokemon but um japan in general so i'm gonna be, Cultural I'm gonna be over immersion. there yeah it's gonna be fun but yeah that, that's all i got uh, i'm just trying to read some manga catch up on stuff and uh, have a lot of fun so yeah that's uh that's what i got this week gavin what's your advice for having a lot of fun um read manga uh if you want to enjoy something that may not be in your wheelhouse just read something interesting i do that all the time believe it or not this is what i did so this whole week or like pretty much this whole month uh right stuff anime has been having uh like a anniversary sale they're selling a bunch of books and they just go on sale like every once in a while um i found this book called dinosaur hour um i'm i bought it um it's it is a manga about the day in the life of a dinosaur. Uh, it was made in 2009, and I'm going to read it along with all of Yu-Gi-Oh!, which I also purchased at the same time. So, yeah, uh, I'll let you know how Dinosaur Hour goes. Um, but, yeah, I just bought it on a whim. I was like, it's five bucks. I'm going to get it. Um, so can you but, really judge an, a manga by its cover? Yeah, sometimes you just got to, like, look at it, and if it says Dinosaur Hour, you got to get it. I mean, as as a former dinosaur kid, that would have been so up my alley back in the day. Anyway, thank you all for joining us this week. Hope you, if you're in the hot part of the world right now, hope you're staying not too hot. If you're in the cold part of the world right now, hope you're not staying too cold. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we will catch you soon. Adios. Next week, we bring you the latest news and stories from around the internet. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us and rate us five stars on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow us on all social media at TwigPod, that's T-W-I-G-P-O-D. And feel free to send us any questions, comments, or any suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week in Geek. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.